You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. My name is Merle. I'm here with my good friend Dante, and we're here to build worlds and tell their stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, hello. Welcome back one and all to the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dante. And I am the other host, and my name is Merle. And we're here to talk about all the art and aesthetics of world building as a hobby and passion project and the storytelling that comes of it. Uh, usually in these podcasts, we each bring a topic uh, to the table, one that we haven't shared to the other, and we just try to break it down into a way that's understandable for both of us and bring up examples that we really enjoy in the literary media that we've come across. Now, before we get into this, there was something we were talking about off mic over the weekend uh, with our D&D friends. <laughs> this is very off topic, but I realized that I have no idea what Europe looks like oh. in like a geographic sense. Yes. Um, Merle can confirm that I had no idea where the countries were in relation to each other or even confirm. that certain places yes. were countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to kind of put it on the table uh, as kind of like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to learn <laughs> the map of Europe. And I'm going to know all those places, every, all the places. I'm going to know all the places. Yes. And make sure that <laughs> I'll make I'm, a little bit of I'm progress every week. I'm very proud of you already. Thank and you. I thank will, you. Thank you. I, I will make sure that you keep this promise. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Can I issue out the uh, inverse challenge that you try to learn the 50 states or just a general placement oh, of them? Uh-huh. Yes. Cool. No, cool. we're going to go all the way. Like you do the full map. I do the full Full United States. <laughs> the, but the thing about Europe is it kind of blurs towards the eastern side of it. So I should learn like the Eurasian countries as well. As in like things that cross over into Europe that are also part of Asia. Oh, yeah, sure. I think I shared with you a link, right? Like I just used those ones. So if if we can complete the test that was on the link, I think, <laughs> I think it was yeah, Jetpunk yeah, yeah. or something. I don't know. It's just like a random yeah. geography quiz. But if we can both have 100% on either the United States map of all the states versus the europe map we will we will cool. be victorious and this this will be completed <laughs> all right if i recall i had 15 out of 45 <laughs> countries right to be quite honest i don't even want to try the states ones now i should <laughs> to have like a good baseline you know to see the progress but i'm a bit scared i'm not gonna lie because i can bash right. you for like not knowing europe as much as as much as i want but I don't know shit about America. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> so, you know, this is, it feels like a fair challenge. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> we'll <laughs> go with that. Uh, do you have any errata you'd like to mention about our previous podcast? Or do you want to jump right in? Hmm. I don't think I have any this time, this time around. All right. Sure. Uh, then I think I'm kicking off the first topic. Is that right? Yes. Go for it. All right. So the first topic that I wanted to bring to the table today is about dreams. Now, it's not like dreams as in, like, what are your dreams for your life? I'm talking like literal, as literal as they can be, like literal dreams. Okay, as in, okay. go go to sleep, you're whisked off into this weird space that nothing, that, well, not nothing, but some things kind of make sense, but a lot doesn't. Um, in literary media, you're kind of enlightened into certain situations, and then you wake up and... All of that is erased. And there's kind of a very, not a, I can't even use the word delicate. It's kind of like a very free form 
art style to how dreams mm. are depicted because there's yeah. quite literally an infinite amount of possibilities. So I want to talk about kind of how dreamscapes are constructed and portrayed in different forms of media um, and how they lend themselves to the overall process of storytelling in terms of the progress of whatever character we're following or whoever witnesses the dreams. Mm. Now, to kick this topic off, do you remember your most recent dream or do you have a dream <sighs> that you cannot forget? Ooh, it's a bit of a sad one, but it was a recent one. This is a bit of a tangent, sure. by the way, but I've been trying to, I don't want to say obsessively, but it's bordering obsessiveness here. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I've been trying to sort of up my my sort of morning and evening routines because I used to have a very, very bad sleeping rhythm. I sometimes still do, but like since the Christmas holidays, I've been like, no, this is, I'm done now. This We're going to fix this. Self-care, <laughs> let's go. So I've been like That's right. super strict with myself in terms of sleeping time. And what that means is instead of that when I like go to bed at 1.30, 2.30, I don't Let's not go into that too deep, but um, <laughs> I've now been like, in comparison to my previous schedule, super early. So I've been dreaming a lot since I've been sort of improving my sleep rhythm, which is oh, look at that. logical, but I didn't, you know, plan plan on that being an additional thing that I would gain from this. And I don't know if that's a good thing, because sometimes dreams are like super busy and you wake up and you're exhausted somehow. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you have this. Yeah, But yeah. the most recent one that I got... Um, was one where I think I was in like a student's house, like a sort of dorm, but it wasn't really like a dorm room, like in colleges, but it was just a house where a lot of random students live. Sure. Like an apartment complex and everything was super dirty. And there were like these... Oh no. Yeah, it was a bit weird. <laughs> uh, but there weren't like any students there. It was just like little kids. And they were sort of looking at me and I was sort of almost as if I was climbing a mountain, sort of traversing the furniture and stuff for some reason. I don't know why. And there was a lot of like, <laughs> this is getting so weird. No, um, this there's is so a lot important. of like phases with, with like withered flowers and like the, um, oh, I don't know the English word, but like what, what you can snip off from a plant and then you can grow a new one. Uh, sure. Like, I don't know the word either, yeah, but there I is a know. word. People know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have a friend in the garden who would hate me right now. These were like all over the floor in glass jars. And I don't know why, because it was like not an environment where you would be like, oh, I'm into gardening, you know. <laughs> and one of the kids, this is the only detail I remember. One of the kids had like one blue eye and one purple eye and was nice, like super nice. gorgeous for no reason. And I was like, oh, you're pretty hot, even though you're like six. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> and that's where wait. it ended. <laughs> it's wait the weirdest thing. Wait a second. Okay. I'm not going to lie. No, no, no. Dream. This is a safe space. This is what um, I got. And yes, um, that is exactly where weird things can happen. Now, have I you ever so. tried yeah. to, have you ever tried to interpret any of these dreams? Like try to understand Ooh. what they mean? Well, I've had not a lot, but some dreams you really awake and you have to sort of get used to that it's not real anymore like mm. a lot of a lot of them you can just sort of tune out and and once you wake up you're like oh never mind it was it's fine weird mm -hmm. mind things happening i'm gonna start my day now <laughs> you know but i've had like a few dreams where i would like even one i think what where, where i was like super mentally sort of confused for like a good 15 minutes before i was like oh wait this is not i remember even one dream when i was very little because it was so funny 
And I was mm. having a sort of quote unquote sleepover at my brother's room, like in the same house. But okay. <laughs> I okay. would just go over to his room and sleep in the mattress that was under his sort of bunk bed. And then mm -hmm. the entire night I dreamt that the mattress was like not laying under there properly. I felt like for two hours I was sort of tugging this mattress to go in the right way, even though it was already <laughs> no. great. And then I just woke up and I was like, what's going on with this fucking mattress? And then it was just fine and nothing happened. And it was very confusing. But I think for mainly the dreams where you're like, is this real or is, is this just my weird brain being weird? Mm -hmm. Those dreams I've sort of tried to trace back every now and then. And sometimes you can sort of remember elements of it. For example, the gardening. Like I've been doing mm -hmm. a lot of sort of indoor gardening or sort of repotting plants and stuff in the holidays, oh, nice. right? So that was like, okay, it makes sense that this is in my brain to sort of mm -hmm. temper with or something. But what it means, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever had like a sort of my brain is telling me something moment. No, I Did feel you that. have a moment like that or no? Um, not really. Um, hmm. My... I. The most vivid dream I, I still remember to this day is, which is not nearly as like profound or meaningful as other ones. Basically, <laughs> I remember in my dream, of course, waking up, getting ready for school, going to classes, doing like three or four lectures, taking an exam, doing really bad on it, going home and then waking up from my dream to do it all again. And I was oh, in the whoa. worst mood <laughs> the whole day because I'm like, I've already done this. I've oh, spent no. hours doing this. <laughs> That's so um, sad. <laughs> Aww. Um, but it's not real. I've never really had those, oh, I'm seeing the future or I'm... There, there's been a lot of like, like those, you know, those zombie zombie apocalypse dreams where the yeah. world is in some weird place. You can't really explain it. It's kind of like a young adult dystopia uh -huh. sort of situation and you just got to kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of those, but um, dreams, even in like real life, not even in fantasy novels or anything, the concept of dreams and the purpose of dreams is still not clear. You know, um, mm. a lot of people believe that it is your mind trying to organize your thoughts into a way that's manageable for your upcoming days. Yeah. So like when you get a proper night of sleep, you have proper dreams and you're like ready and refreshed to handle new ideas and new concepts for your new day. Hmm. Um but in literature, dreams are treated as almost magical or prophetic. Um, you could even look towards the uh, you can look towards the Bible. Um, the Bible has Joseph who oh, yeah. receives dreams about his future. You know, yeah, that's right about his brothers and all that. And that stuff is super explanatory. Like it's literally like, oh, there's seven. I think I remember there's like there's seven. Uh, almost starving cows and they stand for yes, the years yes. that you're going to have to like suffer through starvation and stuff. But then there's seven healthy cows and something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is strange because it's like super literal, which is not yes, at all yes. what dreams are somehow. <laughs> yeah, but you can understand, of course, and anyone listening to this can understand when you're in a dream, it feels real. Like it is very, yeah. <laughs> very real, True. you know, and it's only when you wake up and you can take time to process it that you understand that some things you were doing mm. and understanding and believing were not reality. You know, um, things yeah. just kind of, quote unquote, make sense for the moment. So obviously, when we experience these in real life, obviously, uh, authors of literature take these dreams and allow them to become something more or equivalent to what they've experienced in real life and let them have a role in stories. You know, um, whenever there's a dream that happens in a book or a movie or a video game or anything like that, usually there is a meaning tied to it for a future purpose. 
You know, mm-hmm. dreams in these um, art forms are used to, how do we say it, uh, introduce characters, introduce settings, yeah. ideas and concepts and motifs that will follow into future chapters or future episodes. It's a really flexible tool in that it requires almost no setup, you know? Like, if you want to introduce a character that you'll be bringing in 10 episodes down the line, you don't need the character to meet them physically. You could just chuck them in a dream and it'll mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, this will be explained later and it leaves a feeling of mystique. It leaves a feeling of like foreshadowing, which is a really wonderful concept. When I was thinking of this topic, the first thing that came to mind, of course, is kind of the the crown jewel of, of dream of of media on dream which is the movie inception Hmm. where the main characters are tasked or specifically talented or uh, equipped to steal information from people through their dreams it's kind of like their literal occupation is to dive into somebody's subconscious uh pull out information uh in a way that doesn't confuse them or threaten them and then extract it for whatever corporate businesses they're working for Um, And the whole premise of the movie Inception is that they're tasked with something new, which is implanting a new idea into somebody's mind. Yeah. And that takes like layers of layers of of conditioning within the dream to make it all feel like it was a natural conclusion for the character that they're affecting. And in doing so, you know, they're pulling from the main character's subconsciouses, their own gripes and securities and things that they have trouble with that are all kind of blending into this a massive dreamscape. So basically, I wanted to kind of talk about how have 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 you ever in any situation have you ever had to write about a dream like for a specific purpose? I guess for uh, to foreshadow, to mm. um, explain, to guide somebody in a certain direction in how they were thinking or feeling or how the reader is supposed to understand certain situations. Right, Has that ever come right. up in things you've written? Mm. That's a good question because it's so varied mm. in, in ways of to like ways that you can implement it as a tool. I remember to start off, I think one character that I wrote or actually it was a duo. So it was it was two characters and one of them had mm-hmm. this sort of ability as a sort of way of doing magic, I guess, to whisper things to people. And mm-hmm. then those, you know, words or something would appear to others as sort of dreamlike realities. And interesting. The way their character dynamic worked is he wanted to sort of develop his ability and was talented in that way, but he was also very much a coward. And the other person who was a younger girl um was super physically powerful and saved him in many 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 occasions, so they were very mm-hmm. codependent on each other. But she had a lot of trauma and he was sort of there to or the way their sort of a little bit twisted relationship, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> worked, mm-hmm. was that he would sort of soothe her in sort of mental episodes. He would be sort of the mental support for her physical support. And I don't know if that would count as a dream, but it was mm-hmm. very much something that that I felt worked because dreams for me are also very much sort of dealing with truth, you know? Because when, mm-hmm. dr- when something's in your brain... <laughs> Which it, which is how dreams work. It's, it mm-hmm. really feels, you already, you know, talked about this. It really feels as a truthful thing. Yes, exactly. And after you wake up, you can sort of, you know, re-examine and stuff like that, specifically when it makes no sense, which a lot of times it does. 
but if it's something that's sort of real, or if it's like, oh, my mattress is not sitting right, which is sort of a realistic thing, it can take a while to sort of realize that it's not the truth. And I think that's mm-hmm. also what made it so powerful that he had that ability. Like he was a coward and he couldn't do anything else. And he was sort of, sort of weak. Like I wanted him to sort of not feel good about himself. <laughs> it's a bit dark, but. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. But you know what I mean, right? And this power sort of gave him the ability to sort of twist that truth even for himself. You know, he did that to his female companion, but he also mm. tried to convince himself that, oh, I have this talent and there is something that I can do, even though it was not always used for good, you know? It feels really dangerous to me. Like, if you give this to the wrong person or if people start meddling in your dreams, it feels super yes. invasive and personal and sort of hijacking almost, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally feels, as much as we can't control what we dream about, Dreams are very much our safe space, mm-hmm. if you could understand that. Yeah. You know, like it's um it's a place where you are truly alone with your thoughts and you can uh, at least not necessarily practically in like real life, unless we're talking about lucid dreaming, which is like a whole different thing. <laughs> um it's a way for you to kind of reconcile ideas and in in different forms of media, it is certainly a tool that authors employ to allow characters to reconcile feelings and and understand what they've been through and Mm -hmm. kind of witness sometimes it's used for like flashbacks to experience like what to re-experience what you've gone through before and how the character responds to that is uh is is important to their growth uh, or their dynamicism as a character yeah Um, definitely like you can sometimes characters will like dream multiple times in a series and if they see the same thing at the beginning of the series versus the end Mm -hmm. very often they'll react in completely different ways to prove the growth that the character has experienced, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I have to say, I always find it interesting that dreams are so different in fiction somehow, because it Mm. does feel like it's not, it feels very... It's like purposeful. Yeah, it feels super placed. That's the right word. Yeah, purposeful. Mm -hmm. The thing that I like about dreams in real life is that it's completely sort of random, (laughs) <laughs> that it really is very hard to understand sometimes. Oh boy. Could you imagine if you could predict what you were going to dream about? Oh, that'd be, I don't know if that'd be good or bad. Like you I go to sleep either. like, oh, I'm going to relive that test, aren't I? I all think right, it would sort go. of lose all <laughs> the charm of it, to be honest. Because <laughs> um, you would always be able to sort of escape things. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that is, that is, <laughs> that could be a world building problem if you <laughs> have to so, relieve yeah. You have to relive your day when you go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like a, the ultimate do-over prompt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I kind of just wanted to bring that to light. Uh, I've been thinking about, I don't know, I bet I've kind of dwelled on this topic for the week and like mm. realized uh, specifically in the stories that I tell that I quite rely on dreams a bit. Um, oh, really? To, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Like uh, as we, as I always do, I tie it back to D&D. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> My campaign with my players, if if they're listening to this, um, they're they're used to it. <laughs> Basically, the premise of the story is that they're all their characters have lived past lives and accomplished different things that have shaped the world into what they're experiencing now. Oh, and the nice. often the way that I enlighten them on what they've done in the past is through dreams. They're kind of thrown into this different person's body into a certain time, a certain place, and they just have to kind of experience it point blank and try to interpret it when they wake up. 
Um, and that's kind of, and as I kind of introduce the things that they've met in the dream into the present day, like in things that they encounter, they start to make connect the oh. dots and be like, oh, this is what this meant. This is what this oh, meant. Oh, I like that. Okay. So do yeah. you give your players agency during the dream or is it more like a sort of flashes before their eyes kind of thing? Of course. They're um, in full control of the person that they're embodying, but how they oh, react. Okay. They basically witness the scenario that their past life was in mm -hmm. and then they have to react organically to what's going on or if they want to follow what they think this person would do or just try to make sense of it in a completely like out of body experience. Interesting. Uh, how they've approached it in different ways has uh, been really interesting. But yeah, um, I think I'm just kind of touching on like in general to kind of sum up this topic. Dreams, although they're still kind of a mystery in real life. They serve a very purposeful and actually pragmatic tool in any literary art form. Um, it's kind of like, it's very interesting how they are, they have a greater, not greater, I won't say greater, but a, a very different purpose and meaning in the fictional world. In fact, in the fact that they're more practical than they would be in real life. And I think that's just a very fun concept to play around. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's quite funny that we ended up with this. Because I think my topic is quite related, actually. I feel like sure. we do this subconsciously every now and then. <laughs> that we sort of pick similar things. Because what I wanted to talk to you about is sort of the idea of empty space. What I wanted to talk to you about is the example, for instance, of Zelda, the game Breath of the Wild, which has been like right. pretty popular on the Switch. I don't know if you've played it or heard of it. Oh, I've, I've watched a lot of it. That's oh, okay, okay. Got it. Because I've... Uh, when I started playing that game, the thing, because I've been a bit out of Switch games lately, like my mind just hasn't been in the right spot for it. But but yeah, what I sure. still love most about that game or remember vividly is the amount of empty space that the curators dared, I want to say, to put in. Because mm. for the uninitiated, I think Breath of the Wild is a game that is very lush. It's a very, very big open world and mm -hmm. the first images you know that come to mind after playing this is just sort of empty fields of grass sort of rolling hills danger in sort of small spots of the world um a little bit of you know people and villages every now and then but a lot of traveling and a lot of time to be on your own and i think i'm i think i'm very interested in that concept or the sort of the way that, that you can use empty space by sort of not using space, if you know what I mean. Because mm. world building very often in sort of cool things we see online or in the very epic fantasy novels, you know, Tolkien style, Game of Thrones style, whatever, really feels like every part of the world is its own thing or has a history mm -hmm. or has, has been filled up to Everything is purposeful. Everything's purposeful, yeah. yeah. And... Even though I think, you know, in Zelda, there's also history and you can see, you know, ruined buildings in the grass and stuff like that. The thing that I like about it is that you as a creator can also, I guess, purposefully decide to not use or fill a space. And the time or the traversing that comes with that is also a device in itself. And I think I've been really interested in this also, if we're going back to D&D or, you know, tabletop a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of the difference of sandbox, as they then call it, versus railroaded games and everything in between. And I was really curious how 
how you look at this and if you if you have a preference or if you like oh, this absolutely. type of building, uh, world building. Yeah, this is yeah, I've, I <laughs> love this topic. This is so good. There's something prevalent not only in like novels and movies, but of course in D&D campaigns, mm -hmm. which is pacing. Um, there's a concept where every second matters, every minute matters, every moment matters. So fill all of that up with things that are meaningful and purposeful and will drive the story forward, you know? Yeah. In D&D, when you, you know, railroading, it's a concept where like you, the DM has already, or the game master has already planned the path that the characters will take. And it's just moving them from one plot point to the next, moving them from one location mm -hmm. to the next. But when you brought up um, Breath of the Wild, which is an amazing game, there is like a challenging or, or yeah, challenging concept that is, that it, that is very much pacing. Like not everything has to be breakneck, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. There, there's a sort of fatigue that comes with always moving, always jumping from the next point to the next point to the next point. And just and the concept of rest in any art form is just something that not many people get exactly right. I think the mm -hmm. best example yeah. I can give of somebody who does this perfectly is Miyazaki. Um, mm. When you watch any of the yeah. Studio Ghibli films, there is often just 30 seconds to a minute of the characters just enjoying the scenery, you know, mm -hmm. walking through the garden, smelling the roses, um, not even like maybe fixing a meal or something like that, that has no purpose in the story. You know, it doesn't yeah. drive any points forward. It doesn't introduce any new concepts. Mm -hmm. It's just there for a break yeah. for peace. That is something that very much reminds me of Breath of the Wild, where there are places specifically meant for you to just enjoy. You know, no, no need to be stressed, no need to worry about things. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is that also because Breath of the Wild allows for moments of rest, there's also mechanics of rest, which is like mm. cooking or horseback riding or I don't know, <laughs> there's like some random mini games that don't mean anything. Like you can slide off a hill in a sled and that's sort of a thing that you can do if you want. You yeah. Know what and I mean? you can do that as many times as you want, you know? Yeah. Or there's like these little Easter eggs, the, what's the name again? Like the <laughs> seeds, Korok seeds, I think, yeah. Korok seeds, yeah. Where there's just these sort of little sneaky landscape puzzles where if you chuck a stone off a cliff just the right way, you get like a, haha, there was a secret seed in there. And then you have a seed <laughs> that doesn't have any consequences or, you know, I think a little bit somewhere, but, you know, it, it's really just for fun, I guess. And just exactly. for sort of passing time a little bit. Or yeah, the cooking mechanism is also like really nice because it does give you advantages and stuff. That's right. But also it's really built for sort of just enjoying the mechanic of resting, I feel, or sort of, you know, preparing for something bigger. And I almost yeah. very often love those preparing or resting moments, the empty space, quote unquote, empty space moments mm -hmm. more than the boss battles. I've always said to my friends, like, the way I play Breath of the Wild is literally just avoiding the boss battles and just <laughs> riding around on my horse all day and just talking to people. Amazing. And then, you know, that's it. That's I don't need anything else from this game, <laughs> which is great. I love I love the amount of empty space because I can just be in it forever. Like I can yeah. super be lost in it. And it's I love it. Yeah. No, I absolutely understand. Um, in the campaign that we played in D&D, in 
um, we were we had you know saving the world uh, missions. We had places we needed to be mm-hmm. um, at any given point in time, and we had a timer and all that on how fast we had to do it. But the times that we got to understand our characters the fullest, or truly like interact with each other and understand each other better, were those moments of rest between the big conflicts, between the traveling, between the mm-hmm. fighting. Yeah, you know when you really got to sit down and reflect on what you've done, where you've been where you have to go next and how you feel about that, you know, um, moments of peace and quiet were just as fun as the actual campaign. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And by the way, I also just to like wind back a little bit when you were talking about Miyazaki, I think there's Mm -hmm. also a certain kind of documentary style of sort of creating stuff that, that reminded me also on, on this kind of usage of empty space. Like, one of my all-time favorite movies is Our Little Sister. It has, I think, an, a Japanese title, but the American title is Our Little Sister by Hirokazu Kuriida, I think. And he used to be a documentary filmmaker. Oh. And it is fiction, but all this is, um, the first time I watched it, like I've been rewatching it many times and now I get more <laughs> and more out of it, of course, like you do with every good rewatchable movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this this movie, the first impression it gave on me was just an entire movie, just empty space, kind of. And there were no fancy cinematic tricks, no like super expensive stunt whatevers. This was just about three sisters and they had a sort of half-sister that they adopted into their little sort of sister bubble. And that's what the movie is about. Mm. And that's sort of it. And she just goes to school and sister number two has a date at some point. And that, you know, that's just Mm. a vibe. And it just keeps like rolling on a little bit and there's just, you know, scenery and they go to the beach at some point and then at some point the movie ends and then then just <laughs> everything's good. And for some reason it impressed me so much that despite having, you know, no fancy cameras, no cinematic sort of analyzable stuff, this movie had such a big impact on me. And I think that's so hard to do in mm. sort of the age of Marvel 10 million movies, you know? Yes, yes. But, you know, and I really was impressed by the sort of documentary feeling of this, almost. And I think that's really, I don't know, really a sort of tribute to storytelling, if you can pull that off. Because it's way harder than just sort of slapping all your stuff at it, and then it sort of becomes a thing. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's so hard to get that right. I feel like there is... Uh, a thin line between a relaxing pacing scenery versus a story that's not moving fast enough, you know? I think it's also hard to, I don't know, I guess sort of find a middle ground there because it's either very much slice of life, I feel, or it's Mm -hmm. like super high-pitched action, let's go sort of energy (laughs) to it. Mm -hmm. And the in-between works as well, as we've seen in our D&D game, you know, we've had both. It balanced each other out, but it does feel like that specific kind of stuff is very hard somehow. No, of course. The watcher has to be invested in the world to appreciate those moments of peace, you know? Yeah. And if you haven't spent enough time making your world something that can be loved and appreciated and wondered at, then if you give somebody, like, a minute of nothing happening... They have to be invested enough to appreciate that silence or appreciate mm-hmm. that appreciate that quiet. Yeah, that's you true. Know? And it also mirrors real life, I think, because there's a lot of 
boredom that's not happening anymore. Like, mm. I think it's very hard for people recently, including myself, to stand still. Like, it's hard that. to sort of not be on your phone or not be sort of thinking of the next thing to do or just be mm. in like one day. Like, I don't want to oh, yeah. be like too mindfulness about this, but it's really linking to that too. I think that's that's also why I admire movies like that so much because it allows me to take that space and stand still and realize that it's just okay to watch like a minute of just clouds pass by. Yeah, um, there's a there's an idea or kind of just a, rel- a relatable feeling for like all New Yorkers that um, we move really quickly, uh, <laughs> as in like yeah. as in like we we travel through the city to get from one place to another. And the concept of being a tourist in New York isn't really an appealing thing because we're always surrounded by it. You know, like, you know, like mm. I've never been to the Empire State Building, never been to the World Trade Center, like never like a lot oh, of things okay. I just haven't done. That's funny. Wow. I would commute through the I would commute through the city every day for school. And I remember my family went to an event over in the Bronx and we were driving on the highway on the outside of like the outer edge of Manhattan. Okay. And it was nighttime and I just got to look through the window and see like the skyline fly by and see all the lights on the mm. towers and the skyscrapers. And I just sat there and I'm like, I never really look up at this kind of stuff, you know? And I just like, well, I was just watching it for 10 minutes being like, wow, this oh, place wow. is, that's really this nice. place is all right. You know? <laughs> <This place. laughs> yeah. But I think that also comes with just growing up in a place like you, because mm. I also have that in my hometown. I mean, it's not as fancy and famous as New York, I guess, but it's also like you, you don't really see things anymore because you're not new to it. Which, which mm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's a good sentiment. Yeah, it's true. I have to say ever since I've sort of, cause I don't think I ever moved places before I went to study in another city. And now I'm mm-hmm. living also in that city, um, in the Netherlands. And I think because now I have to like get to know a city instead of just, you know, take it for what it's always been. Mm. I really sort of start to fall in love with it more. Because I have to, you know, I'm taking a lot of walks and I'm like, oh, this is also yeah. here. Wow. I, I've never realized, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Do you ever just take like a totally different route just to see a different part of the city? Um, yes. And also as part of my obsessive uh, habit tracking since that I've <laughs> been doing since <laughs> Christmas, I've also been like listening to podcasts and taking evening walks for like 45 oh, nice. minutes or something. Yeah. And it's been so good for my sleep, but also for my awfulness at geography that I have in like streets and stuff like I never know where to go I'm always lost this is a thing so I've been sort of forcing myself to get lost more and sort of recognize places better and it's really nice oh that's also by the way to maybe finish off the empty space topic that was also one thing I wanted to talk about I've been listening or I've been finding a lot of really cool fictional podcasts one of them is called last known position And the other one is called Blackout, and they're both very beautiful, sort of voice-acted, immersive fictional podcasts. Mm. A little bit, you know, mysterious, a little bit. I I should say this, like, it's very good for, like, a dark night and just taking a walk on your own in an empty city. You know what I mean? That's that's a very good vibe to be in that sort of fictional space for a sec. And I've been realizing on these walks that the empty space of the city, because I usually do this around, I don't know, nine or something, and, and then... You know, it's winter as we record this, so it's very dark by then. It's like black outside and the city is just empty because not a lot of people are outside and, you know, (laughs) at night. And because I live in like a very sort of 
neighborhood with a lot of houses and stuff. It also feels, you know, not unsafe or something. So that's good. That's good. That's important too. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been like the perfect backdrop for me for these podcasts. And I, whenever I sort of play this podcast just in my house or in the morning or something, it doesn't work because I don't have the nice, weird, empty space around (laughs) me that is the sort of black night city now. You know what I mean? And it's been super good. Yeah. Even though nothing's going on and I just walk through it for half an hour, 45 minutes and that's it. But yeah. But yeah, um, to kind of tie this up, kind of an abrupt uh, jump from one topic to the next. But um, I want to believe that this kind of fits into both topics generally. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we try to end our podcast with a world building prompt. Uh, I'm going to toss a topic to my co-hosts and they're going to try to see how a world would change based on the prompt that I give uh, for today. The prompt that I have for you is what would our world look like if we didn't need to sleep? Oh, this perfectly fits into everything we've talked about. So far. <laughs> I'm so, Wow, that's that's really good. Oh. If we didn't need to sleep, you're saying. If we didn't so, need so to sleep. So we wouldn't be tired at all. Yeah, sleep, wouldn't can, be sleep sort is of still like, up. yeah, the sleep is still like a leisurely activity if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> sleep is leisure. Whoa. Okay. This brings up all sorts of things. Well, it would certainly lose the sort of rhythm of day and night for sure. Like I mm-hmm. remember I have a Korean, South Korean friend and she was super surprised that shops aren't open 24 seven here. And apparently that's oh. a thing in Seoul, the the capital where she's from. And I was like, what? what? Why would you go like at two o'clock in the morning? Why would you go to a shop and like <laughs> store and, and, and shop there? And she was like, well, you just you could just do it because like there's lots of people out at night. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but I would feel like this sort of mentality would be like way more prevalent and people would just not have sort of a rhythm, maybe, or they would change up a rhythm like they could just work and work and work, you know? The workaholic that we know now is nothing compared to the workaholic that does not get sleep deprived, Mm. I feel. Do you think in this world people still get like tired? Like, is there a fatigue to it? Mm. I think boredom would maybe be sort of the next kind of sleep or sort of burnout. You know what I mean? That's fair. Because if you say like people don't need sleep, then I'm like, okay, so you don't, I guess, get tired because that's sort of a sign of sleep. Mm. I mean, we... You could, hmm, that's interesting. You could take it the other way and then have like, okay, people get just perpetually tired, but sleep doesn't, nothing changes because of taking a nap or something, <laughs> which would be, I think, a very dark world where everyone is just exponentially more, more deprived of sleep and people would be grumpier and feel more terrible every day. <laughs> that sounds like a sad, sad idea. Do you Do you think like... People would still take their hours of rest, or do you think that would kind of be phased out? Well, I as think it's a, not really a cultural a, concept, a restful thing anymore. It's more a sort of change of pace thing, because you don't need sleep, so you don't need to recharge, but you might need to sort of revitalize the things you're doing. You know what I mean? If you work for mm. forever on the same thing, kind of like the the discussion about factory work, right? Like if you have the sort of constant small motion of doing one thing or putting one brick on a wall or something. Mm-hmm. It really sort of robs you of the enjoyment of work and of the sort of idea that work is sort of something to be proud of or that you can be satisfied about afterwards, you know? So I think maybe burnout or recreation 
would be more sure. of a more of a restful thing. So maybe people just switch through work and sort of yeah. I don't want to call it rest because it's not rest, but like just changing up the things that they're doing would maybe be most important instead of sort of doing nothing. I feel like people would have more time to engage in like restful hobbies, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh. I didn't even think about the time because you sleep for like one thirds of your entire day. That's so much yeah, time. Exactly. Oh, my God. People would be good at everything. They would have time to practice. <laughs> now, <laughs> they now would you have say like that. Three more hobbies. You say that, but you know there would be people who no. are like, I have eight hours. Let me work for eight more hours. You yeah, know, more yeah. money. You know? Two kinds of people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hmm. But I sometimes, like, sometimes we're like, dang, like, we waste a third of our lives, you know, sleeping, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, what, what, what a waste of time to sleep. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. you think about that when you're pulling, like, really hard projects. It's weird if you add it all up. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. after a week of sort of having very, very little sleep, you're like, well, <laughs> I probably need it. <laughs> Dang, they were right all along. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I find myself being like, okay, how much sleep can I cut out of my schedule to accomplish what I want? <laughs> I was going to say, like, zombie, I feel you like know? you have a very intense schedule with like work. And also like you just told me like that you were up at 2 a.m. or something this morning and you were like, oh, I'll just, you know, learn Premiere Pro instead of <laughs> trying to sleep harder or more, I should say. I, I'm reaching the point in my life where I have a lot of things I want to accomplish, Aww. but not enough time to do so, you know? So the rationing what is, what takes a priority in your rest hours is something that's been on my mind, which is why this prompt came up, you know? Ah. I was literally thinking this morning, like, what <laughs> if I didn't need to sleep? Oh, I could be so much more productive. Right, you know? right. I wonder, though, how it would change people's mentality on things, you know? Because I do feel like the fact that we all need sleep is sort of a nice baseline of starting your day and ending your day. Mm -hmm. And I think that would get, like, very blurry if, if we don't pay attention and or if we don't need it. Because it's a very yeah, sort of true. staple thing in everybody's lives. Yes, exactly. Like, I can have and nothing every... in common with someone, but then we still both need sleep. <laughs> yeah you walk up you to know? anybody on the street you like sleep i like sleep we both like sleep yeah, right friends we both like sleep. that's what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and i think even if we didn't need sleep i would still sleep for like <laughs> the sake of sleeping like i just like oh, really? <laughs> just hmm. like laying down and resting and uh and feeling rejuvenated you know i just hmm. it's just uh it's a period that people can't I can't say that that I'm being nihilistic, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a time that people can't take away from you. You have to sleep. Sleep is necessary, and therefore, mm -hmm. there's always time to yourself. It's true. You know? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's a good note. That's a good end note. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, we at the Your Rivers Wrong podcast always advocate getting your uh, nightly six to eight hours of sleep. <laughs> Get some uh, sleep, we, kids. <laughs> yeah. Organize your morning and evening rituals so that you guys can. Um, uh, have a productive and enjoyable day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Uh, as always, if you have any ideas for topics that we should cover or prompts that we should finish our podcast with, you can always email us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, thank you again. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, your rivers are wrong. Yeah, they're pretty wrong. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes that you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to contact us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. 
Our intro and outro music is written by Maarten Schellekens. Thanks for that. And again, thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you at the next one.